Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amrabi, and joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown, and we have a special guest, Melissa Trebowasser from Frogs of War. Thanks for this coming on the show. How are you? How's life? Yeah, I mean, how's life? It's such a loaded question, right? I'm a I'm a teacher, a high school teacher in the middle of a pandemic. Same, so, man. Same. Oh wow! So we can we should be talking about things other than football. Yeah, this we should we but... should talk be talking about our our stresses and how angry we are about things. Everything, just <laughs> everything, all the time. Yes. Stevo, how, how's life for you going on on this Wednesday evening, man? It's good. It's busy. I just got off work, so I'm just right over here. I'm gonna talk about some football. I have the next three days off, so it's like oh wow, it's like a dream come true for me. Wow, it's like it's like, uh, like did teach. you have to did you have to like ask off or you just got that in your schedule? Um, it's kind of like a COVID thing, kind of like oh we don't need everybody there. So oh, I was like you know okay. what you know what I deserve a small vacation. Got the COVID day off, you know. Instead of two COVID days, I got three. Plus we have like new employees, and I'm just tired of teaching them. Like yeah. they're just terrible people. Yeah. And you know, tired of teaching them. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, no, I yeah. love love my kids. Love my kids. Yep. I feel you. I feel I feel both of that. But all right, I guess we should talk about some football and stuff. Uh, there's a game this Saturday, 11 a.m. down in Fort Worth, and Melissa, Sooner fans are pretty aware of Max Duggan's ability as a runner. We've seen that last year. Uh, they they face common opponents. He's a big white guy that can run really well. <laughs> uh, but how has he really transcended his game as a passer from last year? Well, I think that was the thing that we were so excited about. We saw him come in against Iowa State in the second half and really ha- having found his touch on the deep ball. I'm sorry, my dog all of a sudden has decided he wants to play ball um, nice. and found the loudest, loudest ball in the house to play with. Love um, dogs. <laughs> he's, Bauer is a frequent guest on any podcast that I do. See, what, kind of, uh, what kind of dog is it? Uh, he's a mutt. So both of my dogs are rescues. He's a blue healer something or another, oh, though. Cute. So he's got so much personality. Um, and he's using it all right in this moment. So, Wonderful. but anyways, back back to Max. Um, he had really found his touch. And I think the thing we saw, like you see with a lot of uh, big-armed freshmen, I mean, you guys probably, well, I don't know, Spencer feels like he came to the scene knowing how to throw the deep ball. But um, everything was a rocket, you know, his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Like he had one speed and it was too fast. Uh, and that led to a lot of drops and, and a lot of just uh, just missed opportunities. But uh, we saw it against Iowa State. We saw it against Texas. And that he trusts his receivers in one-on-ones down the field. That the playbook was opened up to give him the opportunity to find them. And, and he was hitting guys um, perfectly. And then Kansas State happened. And apparently our entire offensive line took the, the day off. So um, I, I think that we've seen that he's a much more capable passer. Uh, the question now is, can he have enough time in the pocket to make good passes or is he just running for his life like he was two weeks ago? Sure. So Oklahoma's had a, a pretty up and down season so far and then the fan base, it's really taken a toll on them, especially on Twitter. What is the vibe with the Frog fan base? You know, it, it's been a hard three years if you just want to be a fan of TCU football. Um, I think that you, you know, you guys have probably seen this with with Bob Stoops, and you know, we saw this with Bill Snyder, and and I think you know Mike Gundy is starting to get some of the same whispers down in in Stillwater, 
is that when you've had a coach that's there for a long time, has been really, really successful, any type of a, of a down stretch, you know, as minimally down as it is, you start to ask the question, is it time for him to hang it up? And I don't think that many TCU fans are quite to that point, but you're in those early stages of whispering, Does, has Gary, Gary lost his touch? Oh, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the case personally. I, I don't think we're at that, but... Um, you know, people see these young coaches come in. They see, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley, and they see Chris Kleeman, and they see uh, Matt Campbell, and, and they see these teams having success and building programs and building excitement. And then TCU comes in, and for the last three years, has just been disappointing. And there have been reasons, you know, for each of those those things happening. There's always been an excuse. But when you're investing, you know, in the facilities that TCU's invested in and you're recruiting at the level TCU's recruiting at, at some point the fan base doesn't want to see excuses. They want to see results. And um, I did not come into this season, and most TCU fans did not come into this season thinking 2020 was the year to light it on fire. For I mean, 2020 should be lit on fire, period. But um, from a football perspective, this wasn't the year to, um, to expect big things. But I still think that the way that they've lost to Iowa State and Kansas State has people kind of, kind of doing the well. I don't know how things are going here, and and Jerry Kill maybe he's not the answer, and and Jared Anderson maybe he's not the answer, and I, I think that that the questions are getting just slightly louder, but still aren't being yelled from the rafters quite yet. That's an intriguing thing because I think about I think about TCU. And I, I don't know about how high the stakes are in comparison to maybe like a school like you know like OU or Texas where the seat of Tom Herman they're already ready they're already thinking about Urban Meyer as their next head coach, and I wonder if TCU was a higher profile school a lot earlier, if Patterson's seat maybe would have been hotter. Yeah, it's it's tough because I'm I'm old like I've been around for a while and I was there when TCU was going one and ten, mm-hmm. you know like so so I know what it was like before Patterson and I think that we got very very spoiled by success in 2014 2015 and, and 2017. Um, TCU's probably not built to be a program that's going to win ten games every year, but it's a program that should consistently make a bowl game and win nine or ten games you know, two out of three years or, you know, three out of five. Um, And and so, but I I still kind of go back to where would TCU be without Gary Patterson? If he had left for Tennessee, if he had left for Texas, this program now looks pretty damn attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, But who's, who are you going to get that's better? You know, do do you want to turn the reins over to Sonny Cumbie? We thought he was the heir apparent for a while. That, that doesn't look like the case. Um, are you going to go take a, a chance on, on a Billy Napier or, or somebody like that? Um, or are you going to say, this is the dude, this, this is the guy that we wrote in it on, you know, we're going to stay here until he decides he doesn't want to be here anymore. Uh, but I, I think what Chris Kleeman has done at, at Kansas State has really kind of kind of gotten people going, well, mm. maybe, I don't know, because like, cause what was Kansas State before Bill Snyder? I mean, we saw, right? Yeah. He left and he had to come back. It was so bad. So, uh I don't think you – the dude's got a statue for a reason, and he's earned it, and I don't think that there's anything he can do as far as coaching a football game that would make me think that he needs to leave on anything but his own accord. Um, and I think 90% of TCU the, – the important people, right, feel that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be interesting over the next several years. If 2021 is not an overwhelming success, I'll be very interested to see what the temperature of the fan base is there. That's interesting because I mean, I mean TCU even with an average offense as far as Big Twelve standards go by have traditionally won you know several games eight nine ten games yeah. because of the defense and hell we've seen what it looks like when they have really good players on offense and really good players on defense and they get robbed of a college football playoff berth. Oh, thank uh, you for saying that. Season, but, thank you. You're kissing but, up to the guests. I but love no, it. for real. I mean, then they then y'all then they have to then they win by like. 70 something to 55 to three and took a knee inside the 10 yard line against iowa state (laughs) that's okay and that makes me still so angry i cried my mom my mom had to call (laughs) me on the sunday of this my parents don't follow sports at all they i think they've watched one football game and it was the rose bowl when Mm -hmm. tc played it my mom called me after the selection show and she was like honey are are you okay i was like i don't want to talk about it i'm not okay (laughs) and like lights off like stayed in bed literally that entire day i mean i had I was about to hit click 
on the airline ticket, just mm. waiting, and oh, man, I'll never, like, I'll never get over it. The fucked up thing is that we all knew this was probably going to happen before yeah. we even played the last game. That's the most <laughs> messed up part yeah. about this because we know about the damn playoff. Like, and we, and it's because it's on the helmet of the jersey, and yeah. look, you know, look what happened. But, but the reason why they have so much success is not just because of their offense, but their Patterson to a lot of people, not just in the conference, but in the country, view him as a solid defensive coach defensive minded guy and honestly what's the secret to that constant success at tcu because lord had have mercy ou does not have a clue on how to have defensive success <laughs> consistently it, you know it's interesting um I'm, I'm actually working on something uh in addition to frogs of war uh, my, my friend parker and grant who are former frogs of war contributors do a little uh, purple theory newsletter I'll, I'll plug for them it's great if you're interested in tcu or statistical analysis or things that are smarter than me. And, and I was, I was actually writing just about that and that for a long time, you know, I think that Gary did such a great job of recruiting offensive players that nobody else wanted and putting them on the defensive side of the ball and telling them, I'll get you to the league. And if you look at Ty Summers, if you look at uh, Derek Kindred, if you look um, at Jerry Hughes, all these guys going back, they were running backs or quarterbacks that weren't good enough to play division one football at the position they grew up playing but Patterson saw size and speed and technique and went, I can work with this. And so he took these two and low three-star kids. He convinced them that he was going to do what was best for them. And he, he did. Time and time again, he turned, you know, afterthoughts into superstars. And he did it by getting them to buy in. And then what happened is he joined the Big 12. And all of a sudden, he was recruiting high three stars and four stars and, and in the mix for some five star kids. And I mean, we, you know, you, you're around high school kids like, you know, they don't want to be told what they're good at, and what they're not good right. at. They want to be told that they're awesome and that you want them. And so I think there has been a little bit of a shift between someone who has more of an old school mentality and kids today who, you know, who want to be told that you're going to play right away and you're going to be great at whatever you want to do. And we're going to bow down to what you want. And so I think that defense is so much mentality based and attitude based that there has been a shift in how do you get these more talented, more highly thought of guys to buy into a system that has predominantly been successful based on guys who just wanted a chance. Uh, and I think that's been, personally, I think it's a disconnect. He'll, he'll say no, um, he's been asked that almost every single year, I think, since coming into the Big 12. But um, there definitely is a shift when you have an old school, tough guy who isn't very nice, um, but but has been really successful. Like him having to change his stripes, you know, at, at this stage in his career is has been an adjustment. Um, that being said, you know, there's still some really great players on this TCU defense and. I think that um, he's he's starting to kind of come around and figuring out what it's like. He's got some great guys on the side, that side of the ball, and uh, Zarnell Fitch and Paul Gonzalez, and and this he's really just outstanding coaches who the kids adore and love. Um, and, and so you know, can he continue now to take the talent that he's given and mold and shape it, and get it to buy in when um, it's not quite as malleable as it was in the past? Yeah, and you kind of set up the next point um, all week. The the talks been Max Duggan, Max Duggan, Max Duggan. Who are some other names on the in, you know on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive ball side of the ball that uh, OU fans should be aware of? Well, I have very quickly fallen in love with Quentin Johnston, um, mm -hmm. and you guys will love him too because he was a TCU a, a Texas pledge that flipped at the last minute. Um, so so that, that's that's Malcolm Kelly actually was the guy who turned him too. So all kinds of fun connections. Um, he's great. Uh, just that, you know, a big fast wide receiver, the kid runs like a gazelle. Like he, you know, when you, you have all of these guys are, are, are these, all of your players are these types of guys, but the guys that just look different than everybody they're around right. on a talented team. There's just <clears throat> that guy that just looks different. Quentin, Quentin has that look about him. Um, so he's just been fun to watch. And I think as him and Duggan get more in sync, it, it's going to be uh, th that has a chance to be a superstar duo for you know two three years down the line, which is exciting. Um, on you know outside of that, offensively, there just uh, there just hasn't been a guy consistently. I think Blair Conroy is is probably the other one that we're now starting to count on to make at least one big play to, a, a game. He's a redshirt freshman wide receiver uh, who just makes spectacular catches look easy. So we're really excited about him. At running back, uh, you know, Darwin Barlow was supposed to be the dude. Um, 
they haven't really established a number one in the backfield, but he certainly looks the part. So I'll see, be excited to see if maybe he can kind of have that breakout moment um, on the offensive line. Like if you're an Oklahoma fan, just watch them all. Cause it's going to be entertaining for you guys. Uh, I just, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see something that you want to see as a fan of an opposing team, uh, watching you rush the passer uh, against this duct tape offensive line right now should be should be pretty fun. Um, and then defensively, you know, the big names are Garrett Wallow and um, uh, Trayvon Merrig and Ardarius Washington. But the dude that's been the best player on that side of the ball is Noah Daniels. Um, just the biggest corner that we've had that's been great. I mean, I think he's six one, six two. He's fast. He's big. He's physical. He plays with exactly the kind of swagger and attitude that you want out of a corner in a Gary Patterson defense because he's out there on an island the whole time. Uh, he he has turned himself. The kid's been hurt so much. He's turned himself into a legit NFL prospect um, so far through through three or four games, however many we've played. And uh, he's against these ridiculously talented Oklahoma wide receivers. It's going to be really, really fun to watch those battles every snap. And so speaking of that, like what advantages does TCU have over Oklahoma in this game coming on Saturday? Well, you gave me a little heads up on the question. And so I, I tried, I tried to do a little research and look at it and I had a really, really hard time finding a spot where based on how TCU has played the last several weeks and what Oklahoma has, there's not a spot where I go, Oh, well, you know, the Oklahoma defense is vulnerable, but you know, the TCU offense has been stagnant and terrible um, for the most of the season. So I'm, I'm not going to say that's an advantage. I think the one thing that I'm going to be really interested to see is Gary Patterson scheming against a young, still relatively inexperienced, and and not I don't want to say he's mistake prone, but prone to making the occasional mistake quarterback. Um, can Patterson do some things and mix some things up and disguise some things that make Spencer Rattler have to make decisions on the fly that he's not necessarily comfortable making? Obviously, Riley's going to have him super well prepared, and I think Oklahoma having a bye week and TCU having a bye week hurts TCU a lot more than it hurts Oklahoma, uh, because I, I think that you know the the film study that's been going on, I'm sure, has just been insane. But I hope that that Patterson has something special drawn up so that at least for like one player, one series, you just kind of get that freshman quarterback against a, a defensive genius coach where something just ridiculously stupid happens, like when Brock Purdy, you know, threw the ball straight up in the air to a TCU defender uh, in the first game of the season for a pick six. Like, I, I just need that moment because I don't think that the game's going to go all that well for TCU overall, but I'm just hoping there's that one time where you're like, okay, Gary still got it a little bit. He can still mix things up when he needs to. And you kind of hinted on it before um, with the offensive line versus Oklahoma's pass rush. Is there another disadvantage that TCU really has in this game uh, against OU? You know, I I think the biggest thing is that even if TCU's defense plays great, right? Like even if they have their best, most complete game of the season, Oklahoma's still putting up 30 points, right? Like, like you can play perfect defense against the Sooners and you're giving up a minimum of four touchdowns. Like it, it's just not, I just don't think you can, unless they do everything wrong, right? Like it's just going to happen. I don't have confidence right now that TCU can put up 35 points or 40 points. Like if the TCU defense slows them down, the TCU offense is still going to have to outscore them. And that, that makes me nervous. Uh, Duggan did not play well two weeks ago he, he just didn't now I'm not going to put it all on his shoulders he was running for his life the game plan was um questionable at best I, I don't know what they were thinking offensively uh they everything they had done right against Texas they decided they no longer wanted to do I guess it worked too well um so we just stopped doing the motion and the play action and all the things that you know make Duggan really comfortable but um uh, it, it's going to take some type of revelation here uh in order to to get the, the TCU offense to be able to score enough with the Oklahoma offense that even if the TCU defense plays well, that they can, they can outscore them and win that game. That that's my number one concern. All right. So this brings us to our last serious question before we hit the rapid fire. And it's, you know, how does to you, how do you see this game playing out this Saturday, I guess, morning, afternoon, and what do you think the score might be? You know, I, I, I wrote about this today for frogs of war too, is that, if you want to be a serious contender in the Big 12, and, and I say this mostly in reference to the Kansas States, the Iowa States, the Oklahoma States, um, if you want to legitimately consider yourself a serious threat in this conference, 
you have to be Oklahoma. And and we saw, you know, two of those programs knock them off. We all know they are going to be Oklahoma State. I don't care how good Oklahoma State is. They always <laughs> manage to throw this one away. It makes me sad. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And honestly, like, screw Gundy, so it's fine. But uh, <laughs> that guy's an idiot. But um, I think that <laughs> if TCU wants to be taken seriously, like, if you don't beat Oklahoma at home this year, when are you going to do it again? You know, like, this is, this is the moment. And so – we won in, in 2014. At, thanks, Trevor Knight. Um, love you forever, buddy. But that was, oh, I mean, man. what? OU was, was eight and five that year, I think. Yeah. You know, and that's the last time you've won less than 10 games, I'm assuming, since that point. So yeah. it, that was kinda... the Trevor Knight quadriplegic year. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> it also Katy Perry. Yeah. Katy, that's the Katy Perry year. Oh, my gosh, you're right. That, I mean, it was still one of my favorite games I've ever attended in TCU history. It was a blast. But I've never heard a stadium so loud as when Paul Dawson picked that ball off and started running back to the end. That was great. Um, but if you can't do it now, when are you ever going to do it? And so I don't think TCU is a Big 12 championship contender this year. I'm not stupid. But, like, if you legitimately want – to be taken seriously, if you want to beat Oklahoma for the first time in seven years, you better do it this Saturday, guys. Like, this is kind of it. TCU is not great, but Oklahoma is not going to be this vulnerable again for a long time. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't have – if you had asked me after the Texas game what I thought was going to happen on Saturday, I would have said, you know what, I really think TCU's got a shot here. I think they can get it done. But then I watched us play Kansas State, and now I'm a little bit more concerned that that's not going to happen. Um I think I half-heartedly predicted a TCU win in my first, um, my, my kind of my quick look piece. I, I don't really believe that. Um, I think that Oklahoma is more talented right now. I think TCU is lacking in identity on both sides of the ball. The defense is talented, but still vulnerable to the big play. And how are you going to have Charleston Rambo and Marvin Mims and Spencer Rattler and not give up a big play or two? And if you're vulnerable to them, you might give up five. Um, just and, keep and if, Rambo, uh, East and West. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah. We'll see. I, we've missed the linebackers have been at sometimes great. And at sometimes what are you doing here at Wallow? Like, I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they can keep it close. If they can get to the fourth quarter, anything can happen. I mean, we know it's college football and this year's weird, but um, ultimately I think that, that a couple offensive mistakes are going to lead to a couple of, of short fields for Oklahoma and that they topped 40 points. The frogs aren't winning that one. So uh, I'll I'll say forty one because of a garbage time touchdown to probably twenty seven feels about right to me right now. I, if 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 it's a two score game, I I won't leave the stadium feeling completely and totally disgusted. All right, interesting. All right, so well, I've got eight straight questions for you. We're gonna take them really quick. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, why does Andy Dalton suck in the NFL? <laughs> because the Cowboys' offensive line is the only offensive line unit worse than TCU's right now. What's the best bar to hit up in Fort Worth? My all-time favorite. It is not the – well, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to cheat. The best college bar is the pub. It's right across the street from campus. It's where I grew up uh, hanging out. It's where I still occasionally hang out now. But if you want the best cocktail, it's Thompson's downtown or it's the usual on Magnolia. Two best places. I've I've been almost anywhere. All right. How many shirts is Gary Patterson going to wear this coming Saturday? supposed to be chilly and and delightful so i'm gonna say that there is a shirt switch at halftime not quite as effective as it was in the alamo bowl so we'll give them two all right who is your favorite tcu alum and they don't have to be an athlete uh my favorite tcu alum without a doubt is ladanian tomlinson um just because i was at school when he was and he gave me some great memories as an undergrad god i'm old um i will forever in my life love bob schieffer um for everything that he has done and the respect that he brings tcu just by his very existence who is the better preacher slash tcu alum reverend lovejoy from the simpsons or jamie plunkett from frogs of war uh, listen, Jamie, I'm sorry, but I'm not picking you over Reverend Lovejoy, a fellow lefty, if only the left-handed Emporium were for real. What's the best place to order takeout in Fort Worth? Uh, Cane Rosso is the best pizza in town. They do something called the Honey Bastard. It has a jalapeno honey on it. It's delightful, and you can order it as a take-and-bake, so it comes out of your oven just as fresh and delicious as if it had come out of theirs. What is your least favorite thing about the Texas Longhorns or the University of Texas in general? 
Um, I'm going to actually flip this around. My favorite thing about the Texas Longhorns is getting to play them annually um, because we tend to beat them often. My least favorite thing is that they still think that they matter when it comes to (laughs) college football nationally. And also, just going to throw this one out here, not going to get political about it, but the fact that so many of their fans want to pull the scholarships. I'm putting air quotes on this because band members don't have scholarships of band members that don't want to play oh, the yeah. eyes of Texas. They so screw them for that, too. I'm sorry that people are offended by the fact that that song has uh, racist undertones. But you know what? Just let them not play it. Let's move along. Tradition isn't everything, people. It's time to move on. Yep. And last one is, is Waco the worst Big 12 destination? <laughs> and why is the answer definitely yes? Well, I think the answer is yes, except for the fact that I'm going to take issue with the semantics of using Waco and destination in the same sentence. Um, it is it is not even a place I want to stop and use the restroom at. So, not even if a Bucky's was there, huh? Uh, if a Bucky's a was bar. there, I would much oh god, I would much prefer <laughs> to use the filthy, disgusting restroom in a in an Exxon Mobil that only has two working light bulbs and is surrounded by the bikers that came over from Twin Peaks. Oh man, oh that was that's excellent. But well, we're gonna go to a break for our sponsors, but not without thanking Melissa for coming on. Melissa, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. You can find me at frogsaward.com and at the coach Melissa on Twitter, um, where I spout wonderful things about food and dogs and avoid talking about politics so I don't get fired. That's only the the least we can do, you know. It's the least we could do. So <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, and we hope for a good game this Saturday. Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Steven. So we just got done talking with Melissa from Frogs of War. I mean, it's OU at TCU in Fort Worth. Oklahoma is now a six and a half point favorite. The over under is 60 points. And ESPN gives Oklahoma a narrow chance of victory 56% chance to the Frogs, of course, uh, 40. What was what that? 44. I'm not doing math correctly, I think. Right. No, yeah. Um, you know, is there anything <clears throat> about TCU that Melissa said? Well, I think she pointed out. Um, I'm going to go to the linebackers when she when she talked about Garrett Wallow, who's been at times really really good. Um, he's got the cowboy collar. I mean, he looks like a linebacker. Um, he's the guy that stuck Ellinger at the at the uh, the goal line to win the game. Um, but at times, and especially in the passing game, he just hasn't been that good. And I think that's a that's a point for Oklahoma, especially with a guy like Austin Stogner, who's looked really good over the past couple of weeks, um, can take advantage of that. Do you think Oklahoma's going to actually be able to run the ball against TCU? Because, like, Texas' defensive line has been soft. Uh, Oklahoma didn't have success against Iowa State. Oklahoma didn't have success against any of the other teams. Oklahoma only had success running against Texas. Is that more of a Texas issue, or is that more of an Oklahoma actually was able to put together a decent uh, amount of execution on that day? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, Texas obviously isn't the best defensive line in the country. Um, Oklahoma's offensive line, I thought, stepped up a little bit more than they have in previous games. And maybe that's due to just them getting a feel for the season. Because mm-hmm. um, we've hinted at it several times that they just don't look like they're in shape. They look like they're lazy. Um, but against Texas, you know, I think that was kind of the wake-up call. And uh, I think they started to take that step forward, even if it was just a baby step. Do you think Oklahoma's going to stagger the goddamn left tackles again? I want to say no, but gonna, you know gonna, they are. You I'm know they are. Lose my mind. I'm going to lose my <laughs> Eric mind. Eric Swinson's going to chart out there. I and swear to God, we need play to play for like one or two series. Gosh, I, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to follow Bill Beatonbo home after the after the game if, if that's what happens. <laughs> what are you happens. doing? Yeah, what are you doing? I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you right now. Because <laughs> he gets in there, he gets Spencer rather fucking killed. And then, like, all right, put the freshman in, and everything goes well. And he's like, all right, get out of there. 
This is like Eric, you go back in. It's like, what are we doing? What I think Eric Swenson's on the sidelines. Like, hey, coach, I don't know if that's the best idea for me to go in. <laughs> he's like, he looks at Coach B. He's like, are you sure? You might <laughs> lose your job. Get in there, Eric. <laughs> oh God. Oh man. And that reminds me of Jonathan Alvarez, who is a fan of the podcast, by the way. Uh, is he? Yeah, he has to be. Why wouldn't he be? You know, I don't think he likes you that much. Oh, fuck that guy then. But like, you know, honestly, <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, if you don't like this podcast, it's probably because you hate uh, dogs and you hate, hate things that other people like. Yeah, it's probably it's probably that fair. But yeah, no, I've been, I've been thinking about the offensive line and just like, holy crap, it just blows my mind. Because I thought for sure there's absolutely no way against Texas are they about to trot out Eric Swenson after Oklahoma's offensive line was getting killed with Swenson in, in Ames, and they pulled him and put in Harrison with sometimes a chip with Stogner, and that was so much more efficient for the offense. And then I thought there was no chance, no chance that would happen. And then... He gets in the Texas game more than one time. Rattler gets dinged up, and th- then they're going to go say, well, you know, I got hurt, so that's why I got pulled. And Lincoln Riley's going to say, well, he needed to, you know, he needed to learn. So, like, where's the truth, really? Uh, but it's just it's unbelievable to me that, that we have to have this conversation. Just ridiculous. But this team got a bye week after beating Texas and in four overtimes, mind you. I know the defensive line was completely gassed, 100% maxed out their bodies to win that Red River shootout and they deserve credit and a lot of guys deserve credit and so speaking of this bye week they needed it but what did the team do to you or what should the team have done to you to get much better especially to beat the TCU Horned Frogs in Fort Worth this Saturday well I think they needed to get a little bit more healthy I think there's a little bit of injuries and rightfully so every team has them at this point in the season the other thing is they just need to get, you know, we've talked about it before, they just need to get in shape. Just get in shape, um, especially in the offensive line with the guys coming in, you know, the guys like 340 that played at 320 um, last season. Um, this is a, a good week for them to just kind of prepare their bodies and, and get healthy. So uh, that would be the biggest thing. I don't think you, you go through the X's and O's too much, um, especially, you know, on the, on the offensive side. Defensively, you kind of have to wonder where the safeties are at. But mm-hmm. uh, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, take care of your body. And, like, gosh, the only thing I can think of is – the only thing I can really think of is the entire defensive line, all the guys in that group besides uh, Zach McKinney, who is now opting out and transferring. Uh, so I'll tell you that they just opened up a, another scholarship, by the way. But it just – if I'd be very surprised the defensive line, they did not spend these two weeks like in a hospital bed and on an IV just to get straight for this TCU game because those dudes could barely run back up the tunnel at the end of that game. Isaiah yeah. Thomas, who, who, who's that? Isaiah Thomas and, uh, oh, the other Juco guy, Ellison. Ellison. Didn't they both go down on the same play and they were both relatively like nicked up? Yeah, it wasn't a significant injury. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was just playing his ass off, so you could yeah. just see like he was just. I mean, he was done. It he reminded me of the point. Oboe game in 2016. Was it 2016? Where he just was comp- like it was the end was like a stupid Texas where they had to lateral, 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 and they couldn't make oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. And Oboe just like is completely muddied and on the field. And the next game, I think was TCU, and like Oboe had to be carried. They they had they needed oxygen. They had to be carried on a damn like stretcher to the locker room because Tiffany they were Bird was giving him orange slices. Yeah, and uh, Mike Stoops should have been carried out on a stretcher uh, <laughs> of that game. Gosh, that was a fun year. But uh, yeah, I I agree. I, I think I think that not necessarily the X's and O's, but just getting. I, I think that week of rest is important, uh, and I think just really focusing on what they can control is a big part and. You know, going back to the ISU game, going back to Iowa State at the end, the loss in Ames, and from what we just saw versus Texas, going from Iowa State to three weeks later versus TCU, how different do you expect that personnel to be? 
You know, I think everyone's just going to point to the to the obvious. I think you're looking at Woody Washington um, getting in in the corner spot, and I think it's probably. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to start him right away, but I think he plays a significant amount of snaps. Uh, more so, uh, maybe you let uh, one corner start, and then you get Woody Washington in, you know, very early on, and just keep him and see how he does because he looked like the best corner on the team. Um, his his body size, you can just tell, it's just different out there. It's, there's a difference between Woody Washington being six uh, one, and then you have Trey Brown out there playing at five ten. So yeah. Um, it's just a physical difference. Don't you just love the quote from Alex Grinch when people say, yeah, when he said, wait till he gets good, as if that they're going to raise his ceiling? Yeah, I mean, that's – and you can tell, I mean, he's raw. Uh, he didn't play in a, in a big league in Tennessee. Um, his high school is relatively small, so he does have a lot of room to grow there. But still impressive, still like the number zero. Like, is this the first year that they're allowing people to wear the number zero? Yes, yes, yeah, it's a big was, change. Yeah, the, all the people that love Russell Westbrook, you know, now now that it feels like an attack almost on Russell Westbrook fans. Um, but what was also attack was Alex Grinch. I think, I don't know if it was yesterday, but it might have been the day before. Alex Grinch, in a media session, completely shit all over Mike Stoops and maybe Pat Fields slash Trey Brown. <laughs> Did you see that video? I didn't see the video. I saw people talking about it. Oh, my um, God. So you can tell me if it's wrong, but essentially he was saying something the likes of, you know, we have leaders out there, but who wants to lead someone who's not basically producing or not not making plays on the field? Basically says, yeah, basically like you can't call yourself a leader and like want to be a leader and like try to call other people out if you yourself are not going out and handling business. Okay. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's definitely either about <laughs> Trey Brown or Pat Fields 100%. And I was like, well, Trey Brown has made multiple plays. And, you know, he, he's had some issues, but he's made multiple plays. So then we're thinking, of course, the other one. Um, Fields being a captain, I mean, that's kind know, of... Yeah, that's kind of giveaway. Yeah. And then he mentioned that a lot of this mindset and a lot of this BSery going around from some of the players is as a result of the previous regime, the previous staff was there. So I was like, dang, not only is he managing to shit on one of his team captains and his, some of his better players and starters, he also just shit all over a coffee grabber for Nick Saban. <laughs> Crazy. And I just saw that Peyton Stoops TikTok where Mike Stoops' daughter, where she was like, you think your life is tough? My dad was a Big 12 defensive coordinator. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's real special. Well, he really wasn't a defensive coordinator. He's just kind of on staff. Yeah, he, I mean, what do you call those people that, that, I guess, well, I guess there's no, no, matadors. He's more like a matador, like a bullfighter. It's like, he's like, hey, he's my defense. Just can go on through. That's that kind of, that kind of guy. So he's that, uh, that video of that security guard, like, at, I think this might be like a concert or something, where he's like trying to do the, uh, the metal detector. Mm-hmm. But he's not holding a metal detector. He's just waving his hands and yep. then letting people through. That's pretty much Mike Stoops, the defensive coordinator. I mean, like, and that's that's not that's not to say that he wasn't good in like the early stages of the Big Twelve when they did what the SEC is not doing anymore. I guess and is I guess currently now is what le- what is left of the Big Ten is just you know eye formation. You know, student body right, student body left, and a forward pass occasionally. He, you know, they, they were playing Nebraska, and Nebraska was running a, the damn triple option. And so, I mean, he was good in those facets. Of course, the, the last time he saw triple option was against Army, and they almost beat Oklahoma. Uh, but it's just unbelievable to me. I'm just un, un freaking believable. But I'm glad Alex Grinch still notices that. But. I, I imagine I saw that tweet caught some flack from some Sooner fans, and tell me if you agree with them or this that they're like, well, they're Alex Grinch's players now. He's not. He has no excuses. It's year two in his program. He's got to get the most out of these guys. He's so Lincoln Riley on coaching them up. <laughs> uh, I'm going to disagree there to to an extent because, I mean, it was just a culture of just bad football, um, a culture of. You know, if I get a starting job, I can hold it for however long I'm here, three, four years. Uh, you know, no one's going to pressure me because you, no one's really that good. So, I mean, you have to get that mentality out of the defense where you're going out there, you're competing for a position from day one. And then as well, if you're a starter, 
you have to, you're doing your best to hold it because there's a guy behind you that, that wants that job. So um, I still think that culture is still in the program. It's going to take a little bit to phase it out, uh, but it, it's getting there. Okay. That makes sense. You know, that makes sense. Uh, and I, I agree with that. I, I, I said that, you know, Alex Grinch is getting his players in. You can see that from Woody Washington. You can see that from Joshua Eaton. You can see that from David Aguebu. My goodness, these are young guys that they're going to be really freaking good in the coming years. And you're going to see it in other guys as well. Um, and I, I love Brian Odom and the job he's done with the linebackers at Oklahoma. I love what Jamar Kane's done in that room with the defensive ends and the rush edges. They, they've done a really good job as a staff. And I can't believe people would actually like – I know Oklahoma has taken a little bit of a step back defensively this year. Uh or what it seems anyways, because Kenneth Murray, it just isn't making these amazing Tarzan-like tackles all throughout the field. But say what you want about the Oklahoma defense. Have they been susceptible to the big play at the worst times? Yes, absolutely. But have they been incredibly stout against the run? Also, yes. So I think this is the making of a major defensive shift towards... Steve and I talked about this on the podcast on Sunday. I think this defense has the has the chance to be really good next year. What about you? They're starting to show flashes of what they can be. Um, and we've talked about it before. We've said, you know, there's a lot of talent that's just kind of waiting in the wings, but they're just not there physically. Like, think um, about and, next year's defensive line. If Ronnie if, if Ronnie Perkins comes back, right. they could have Perkins, Redmond, and Winfrey. And Oklahoma hasn't had a defensive, defensive line with Benito at the rush edge stacked like that since when? Oh, man. 20... Too long, right? Would you go like Grissom, Charles Tapper, and Jordan Phillips? Maybe I'd say they're better than them. Somewhere but in that yes, group, so I'd yeah, say they're, would say I'd say they're better above. than them. I'd go back to two, almost two thousand nine, two thousand ten territory. Yeah, so it could be exciting. They need to figure out what they're going to do at safety. Um, obviously, yeah. they have Justin Harrington there um, with an injury, so we didn't really get to see him at all mm-hmm. this season. But from what we understood that like he was impressing even with an un- unknown injury that he didn't know he had and so a guy that's six two two fifteen, well that's a that's a nice sight for sooner eyes with right. especially next year when you only have one more very small person in, in the defensive secondary you know uh then you've got guys like Jaden davis who's about five ten five eleven six mm-hmm. foot in cleats then you've got on the other side. Who knows? You might have Woody Washington at six one. You might have Josh Eden at six two. You might have and in safeties. You had DTY Bryce Washington. DTY is a little bit small, but you've got Harrington. Who else? Uh, Bryson Washington. Bryson Washington. There's a and there's there's they're developing depth there. Like this is a, this is where we can look at Trey Norwood and like not even have to worry about him starting or playing. And I'm not saying that's a thing that I think about, but I'm saying, like, he was one I of Oklahoma's. Coming into last season, Alex Grinch thought he was one of their best defensive players. And next season, you go to next season, and you're starting to find it hard for him to see the field, is what I'm saying. So you're like, now you're getting these upper echelon players to where Oklahoma needs to be to compete with the Clemsons. So I think maybe they put the full picture together next year on defense with a high elite offense, and I think they should start putting up 50s like nobody's business once again and you know Spencer Rattler is going to be a major key of that uh, next year but he's been a major key of that this year too what I want to talk about is this weekend's game specifically because I was thinking about what is the game really going to come down to and I could only think of one thing and it really didn't and it had to do with Spencer Rattler but also Gary Patterson and the mind games that he's able to play on defense because they're so disciplined so Spencer Rattler's efficiency this Saturday is this the in like you can DJ Khaled this major key? Uh, what do you have a DJ Khaled voice? I don't, unfortunately. Just say, just say major key like DJ Khaled would. Uh, I can't do it. I don't. I don't even know it. He'd be like major key. Oh God! Right. Okay. So he just does the DJ Khaled. DJ pretty much Khaled. Major key. Major key. What's uh? Is Spencer Rattler's efficiency like the actual? biggest thing in determining a win or loss for the Sooners this Saturday? You know, um, I was kind of going through the matchups, and I, I think this is it. I think this is, it's, it boils down to what Spencer Rattler does with the ball. Because if you look at TCU, they're not great in any one category. 
Um, they're not great running the ball. They're not great passing the ball. Um, you know, they're kind of middle of the road in every aspect, run, run defense, um, sacks, all that. So what they do well is they, they take care of the ball. And uh, for OU to win, they just need to not give TCU these extra opportunities to score, um, you know, needlessly. That, that puts them in a hole. And I think Spencer Rattler's kind of, you know, you look at him getting benched or whatever, Andrew, whatever you want to call it. Um, that was a big wake-up call is you can't put this team in a hole um, because you can't – we don't know if we can get out. We don't have Jalen Hurts. We don't have uh, Kenneth Murray. We don't have Parnell Motley to bail us out. Uh, so you look at you look at this team relatively young. It's all on Spencer Rattler just to take care of the ball. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be a really big thing heading into this game. I think Oklahoma may not have as much rushing success as against it did against Texas, and I think, you know – from what we've seen from Gary Patterson, Oklahoma, you know, what, with the exception of a couple of games, uh, no, namely that Big 12 title game, you know, Oklahoma's always been played pr- pretty close by TCU, especially last year when Oklahoma should have really probably blown them out, you know, turnovers with Jalen Hurts and just letting Max Duggan get hot at the end. You know, remember Buki had to make that diving interception as they were driving to finish that game. That was Caleb Kelly's first game back, I believe. And so these games have always been dogfights, and TCU's a little bit better than last year. Of course, Oklahoma's a little bit worse than last year, and the game is in Fort Worth. And so what are other maybe, maybe major keys to this game, and then how do you see the game actually unfolding? Well, I think they really need to focus on getting the run game going because that opens up everything. Um, you look where Spencer Rattler struggles, it's when, when Iowa State was able to drop to basically go to prevent defense and basically just wait for him to make an, a mistake. So they need to learn to run the ball. Uh, they need to get it going early. I think that's one of the, the biggest things for the Oklahoma offense. And I think, you know, of course of course, of course, the run game, I, that's, that's one of the most important things Oklahoma can do. They were really good at running the ball for the last however many years. Since 2015, they were great at running the ball, and it seemed like this year was starting to be an anomaly, and we thought, you know, the, the strength going into the season for the Oklahoma Sooners would be their offensive line. So, who knows? Maybe the offensive line hit a turning point at Texas, just like they have done several years in the past, or maybe they show up to Fort Worth, and the offensive line is the same thing that we saw against Iowa State. We, I've really no idea what to expect. Just hoping that they got better, um, because TCU's defense is going to be up to snuff. They're going to be really, really good. So limiting turnovers on offense, of course, especially with a young quarterback. But also, again, the thing that they get us, they did against Texas, capitalizing on turnovers, capitalizing on getting guys down in the backfield. Of course, the game plan, honestly, might be relatively similar on offense that TCU might employ against Oklahoma because nobody's really tried to bully Oklahoma uh, because they haven't really been able to. Kansas State couldn't do it. That's Kansas State's game. They had to go five wide. And so I'm really curious about TCU and their game plan and what they'll do. I wonder if they'll go Max Duggan five wide or four wide and just try to get him in a lot of QB run sets, kind of like a Sam Ellinger situation. Right. You know, you might even say uh, Sam Ellinger is almost as good as Sam Duggan. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm not sure I see this game unfolding. I have really mixed feelings about this, and I've talked about that earlier uh, with the dudes like Brady Trantham, friend of the pod, and Caleb Coos, also friend of the pod, that I uh, I have really mixed feelings about this game. I feel like the Sooners should win. I feel like they have the better talent. I feel like they're definitely better coached on offense, and they have maybe more – they definitely have more – they have upside on defense. They maybe not be the most – disciplined defense so i have a tough time picking this game because oklahoma should win but damn they should have won two of the other games they were up right. two scores and three scores in so i have a really hard time on trying to figure out a score for this game down in in fort worth so just give me oh man i'm dude score prediction yeah give me a score prediction um I, I don't know if Oklahoma's going to put up more more points than they usually do. I think they're going to stay in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say they have the talent to out-edge TCU, and I think they will. I think it will be relatively close. I'll go Oklahoma 35, TCU 30. See, I can see it being 34 to 28. 
I could see it being 34 to 28 Oklahoma as much as I could see it being like 31 to 27 TCU just because of the manner in which TCU has right. played Oklahoma for the past several years. Oklahoma has had dynamic explosive offenses and TCU for the most part, not all of them of course. We've seen OU blow the hell out of TCU. But for the most part, these games have been always really close. So I'm truly not sure what to, what to think. Um, I could see it as a coin flip. And I know that's not what a lot of fans want to hear, but that's really the reality in which the Sooners are operating on. And other games this weekend, though, it's, it's almost as if we're doubling the slate. Or I guess, like, not really doubling the slate, but you're definitely getting a lot more good games on this weekend. The, the Big Ten is back. Uh, Ohio State's going to kill Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> uh, North Carolina, North Carolina State are both ranked, and they're playing, and that's fun. Ole Miss and Auburn, Iowa State uh, versus OSU, both ranked teams, and both teams um, that one of them, which OU's already lost to, and I'll be interested to see if OSU is for real. Michigan at Minnesota, and then, of course, everybody's sweetheart, number nine, Cincinnati at, (laughs) I believe, number 14 or number 11, SMU because those rankings are sure accurate. What games are you probably going to watch this weekend other than OU versus TCU? Because it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. We have several more hours ahead of us. I think TCU-Nebraska will will be fun just because you get to watch or not TCU. Ohio State-Nebraska, yeah. Um, Just because you get to watch Justin Fields, you kind of want to see where they're at. Um, Obviously, they've had more time to uh, prepare for this this season, so you, you kind of expect them to come out firing um, the one thing that's kind of keeping me through this game is I think there was a Nebraska writer uh, today that, that came out with an article and was like, can, can Ohio State-Nebraska become the next OU-Nebraska uh, matchup with the classic games and rivalry and all this stuff? And I was like, oh, my God. Hopefully Ohio State just, like, blows them out by, like, 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nebraska's a little full of themselves. I feel that. I feel that. I definitely feel that. The, the only thing that the only thing that pops in my brain when I saw that that the big the Big Ten was going to play this weekend was they're starting their season literally halfway through everybody else's season that's playing right now. How have they? Has there been any indication as far as what's going to happen with bowl games and how those are going to be done? Uh, I haven't read anything about it, or they haven't really announced anything. I don't think. Like, but you have to. Assume... Shouldn't that be? Shouldn't that be a precedent to starting their season that if they are going to make the rest of college football playoff, the rest, the the, the most of, look, they're gonna let force the rest of the college football world that had started on time to wait another month be- so they can finish their season. Yeah, because it just doesn't make sense. Like. Like, how are you going to judge those teams, like, uh, evenly? Yeah, and with bye weeks in, you might have to wait a month and a half. Right. So I'm not sure. Do you just let the Big Ten kind of decide their own Big Ten championship and then call it good? You just use the other three conferences or four conferences? See, that's that's the only thing I can think of is saying, hey, listen, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC got together, and, like, we started playing literally five, six, seven weeks ago. It's not our fault <laughs> that y'all decided to say, "Oh, just kidding." Now everybody's using the rapid test every day because it's it's you know they can just take two and go, um, and then like all of a sudden they reversed course, and it's not it's not everybody else's problem that they started a month and a half, two months late, and so I, I can't see in a world that Oklahoma finishes its last game, Alabama finishes its last game, and Clemson finishes its last game. And says, well, I guess we'll just, like, fucking do nothing for the next two months and wait for the Big Ten to figure out what they're going to do. Like, what is what is that? Is There has to be there has to be something out there that suggests that the Big Ten is just going to play their conference schedule, right? This should come out within the next two weeks. Like, anything, anything other than that is kind of, like, distasteful and, like, dishonest. Like, I, I really just don't like the idea that because you know that, let's say, I'm not talking about Oklahoma, but because Oklahoma has two losses right now. But let's say a team like Georgia that just got just just lost to Alabama. Let's say they have they only lost that one game and they looked good for the rest of the season. Are we gonna put that Georgia team in, or 
are we going to have to wait to see Ohio State just completely kill everybody in their conference and say, well, you know what? You know, they looked a lot better, even though, you know, you've been on your couches for two months. We shouldn't have to wait a month and a half right. think, hoping Ohio State to lose for that. That's ridiculous. And then the other thing is, like, let's assume these teams are practicing or working out or whatever. I mean, do you risk the like players' injuries just working out? Right. Like practicing daily today like, while we Ohio saw State finishes how up many Oklahoma then... injuries before the season even started. I mean, you, notably, you look at uh, like Jaden Hazelwood. Like you, you just let these players have this off time while Ohio State finishes out their season. They just pretty much roll right into a bowl game. Like, how is that? How do you equate that? I don't know. The easiest thing is just leave Ohio State out. Yeah, I think the easiest thing is to leave the Big Ten out just, because they just were... Just let Clemson and Alabama play. Yeah, for real. And Clemson's going to win, and then Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the NFL, and then all is going to be right in the college football world once again, and it'll be fair. There you go. Figured it out. Figured it out, guys. Figured it out. <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything else left to say before we get off for this game on, on Saturday? Uh... Not really. I mean, join the Discord. It's a great, Discord's it's a always great fun. thing. Yeah, plug plug the Discord. Yeah. Well, what what's in the Discord? Discord is there's a lot going on right now. We've got recruiting, um, especially with 2022. Um, you look at recruiting to start pick up, especially in state. Um, there's a little hint, and then 2021, you're moving into this phase of there's all these elite guys. Um, and they don't have a lot of time left to decide, so it's kind of it's going to be a little bit of a sprint here for Oklahoma um, to to see if they can uh, pretty much win these races with with their elite targets, or do they need to look elsewhere uh, at a February date? Yeah, yeah, February date. You think? Well, that's when it's scheduled. I bet. You know the NCAA. They'll probably move the date back to probably somewhere in March, give these kids time to maybe maybe they can get an official visit in, but right now it's kind of not looking too promising. I saw a list of the remaining top 2021 recruits of at the top 10, and, I mean, would you say Sooner fans might have optimism that they would sign five of those guys? Five might be a little bit optimistic. Four, I could see four going I can there. settle on three or four. Yeah, but five, that's that's kind of pushing it. But if they do, that would, that would be a record class. That would be a class that would, um, you look at uh, 2019, you think, oh, okay, that's the class that's going to turn things around for Oklahoma. They're going to get over the playoff hump. 2021, that could that could legit be the class that kind of pushes Oklahoma into that, that tier one of Alabama, Clemson. Uh, you can maybe kind of throw Georgia in there. So it's going to be an exciting uh, month and a half. For more than one reason, man, got Halloween, got the election, got an asteroid maybe <laughs> coming towards Earth. Who knows? Oh, are you talking about the moon thing? Yeah, that's fun. NASA comes out and says, holy crap, we found out something groundbreaking about the moon. But we're going to tell you guys tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? I thought it was Monday. Oh, we have to wait till Monday for I this I think thing? they're going to give us the weekend to, to oh, God. enjoy until... <laughs> absolute annihilation before the moon just crashes right into the earth yeah well they say the moon's moving away from the earth oh so each year so then why are we in trouble we'll find out monday oh crap gonna send where's bruce willis when you need that guy gonna send (laughs) that guy into space some oil drillers from texas we're gonna have them drill a, a hole through the damn meteor what did they put in there? Like put like a nuclear bomb or something? Yeah, I don't even know, but it's it's split evenly right over Earth, and Bruce Willis, Aerosmith comes back. Aerosmith, like you know wonder. Ben Affleck and uh, <laughs> yeah, what's it, what's his face? Who's their lead singer? It's Steve, it's Steven Tyler's daughter. What's her name? Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Wait, wasn't she in the movie? Yeah, Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler were oh, lovers, God. homie, and uh, and uh, Liv Tyler's dad was Bruce Willis, who died in outer space. Yeah. He done drilled that rock in half. Saved the good old planet. <laughs> that, that movie sucks. Do you think in 2021 we're going to get an Armageddon 2 finally? We're living it, man. <laughs> like, I was watching This Is The End the other day, and I was like, That's you know movie. what? I'm noticing some similarities. 
Jonah Hill is uh, possessed. Yeah, I've already got. I mean, that should happen in in, in, that should happen in August. It's already October. I've seen some more wild stuff. I like. I saw possum flying around the neighborhood. It's possum with wings. Oh, I saw a possum the other day. You said was it had wings on it? It was ugly. Like dude, I don't like possum. Possum is probably my least favorite animal. Wow, ever. really? Yeah. They're kind of cute when they're babies. No, uh, no, they're they're ugly as shit. Damn. <laughs> I hate possums. Why? Possums and pigeons. Uh, yeah, pigeons are gross. Pigeons are rats with wings. They all, they just all look filthy, and possums just look ugly. Dang, that's. Well, how do you feel about ferrets? Ferrets are all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 always fun. I uh. I saw a uh, I thought I saw a zombie the other day. I was walking. <laughs> I was walking home. <laughs> like a real zombie. What? Was this? Were there any substances involved? No. Well, no. Maybe. Hold on. Let me explain. For who? Uh, you. No. No, there was not. I can say that with the no. I don't have to plead the fifth. Uh, but I was. Yeah, I was. I was on a. I was on an evening walk when I you know walk a couple of miles because just to get for some fresh air you know because I you know I'm a teacher all day and. <laughs> It's not just to clear my head, and I saw like this weird kind of like tree-looking figure in the distance, and I was like, "What the hell is this weird tr- like a trunk with legs and arms, just like walking all weird like like I it looked like somebody was in a tree costume and they were walking like they had a limp like they could only move their their joints of their knees and their elbows. Oh, you know what I'm talking about like the yeah. Scooby Doo villains." And the closer I got, the more I, the more I saw that he was clearly cracked out. This man was <laughs> either, either using methamphetamines because it is the I-40, I-35 corridor, or this man to. was high out of his mind. And um, I, I kind of like was passing him by. I was like, oh, dude, I don't want to talk to this guy. And he was like, hey. <laughs> he talked to me. I was like, oh, no. I thought I was about to get robbed. Uh, he said, hey. If you go to the Seven Eleven, I uh, and buy me some beer, I'll give you twenty dollars, kid. And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" You can buy beer for twenty dollars. Say what? You can buy what a case of beer for like twelve bucks. Yeah, but I, I, he says, "I don't have my ID on me," and I was like, "Oh!" And he clearly is not a minor. This dude is a clearly like <laughs> methed out forty year old. And I was like, "Uh." Uh, I gotta go home. Bye. And I like, ran the opposite way. Like, man, some crackhead. Like, like seriously. It might have been someone I used to work with. There's someone that's like awesome. a little bit. He's like he's probably in his forties, early forties, something like that. Yeah. Kind of rough looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously had some sort of drug addiction. I was mm-hmm. like, bro, just don't talk to me. <laughs> but the weird thing was though. Because that wasn't even the weirdest part of this encounter. I haven't even gotten to that part yet. <laughs> it's when he walked away, he was like prancing and doing, like making sounds like, ooh. That's what made it weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I was like, I was like, what the hell's going on? I felt like I was in a movie. Have you ever been to uh, the Pen and 23rd? That's pretty much. There's like five that's dudes a, that's like that special, at all times. That's a very special place. And they camp out behind the Seven Eleven. Oh my god! Oh, I'll never forget. <laughs> One time I went to Bobo's, man. One time I went to Bobo's, and uh, you've been to Bobo's, right? Yeah, of course you have. You went to uh, Bobo's used to cater our fraternity. Yeah, events. you you yeah, because you went to Oklahoma City. That's right. Yeah, University. So that's like right down the street. But I remember one night we went to Bobo's, and of course you know like some of the rougher areas around there, and we saw a kid walk into a convenience store, and of course Bobo's isn't even open till like eight o'clock at night, so we got there at nine to get some fried chicken, honey, and whatever with cayenne pepper, and little, we saw this little kid walk into a store. He was probably like eight or nine, and the next thing we saw was this kid booking it out the store. With his hands full of stuff, and the shop owner like coming out and like chasing after him, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then there was a car pulled up next to us, and some like l- let's say rough-looking individuals, 
and like they looked like they had probably seen some shit in their lives okay and they kept on getting close to us in traffic We're like why why are they why are they tailing us why are we why are they like so close to us like they're like like i'm talking like going the exact same speed limit in the right lane to us trying to like maybe make eye contact make eye contact and we're like what in the world is going on and then we kind of like we're like uh what should we do and people were in the driver one of my buddies was like i'm not talking to these dudes so we zoomed off because the guy kept them pointing at the front of our car or pointing at us we're like what is going on and then like 10 10 miles up the road after that guy was no longer there we had realized that we had been driving with the lights off and they were just being a good samaritan oh god yeah (laughs) so the driver of that car was a racist not not that car that was a nice Samaritan. The car the driver in my car. I feel bad. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Not not good. Not good. So I, I guess we can end the podcast here. Yeah, that's a great way to end it. Yeah, man, let's do that. <laughs> so follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com <laughs> brought to you guys by SV Nation. You guys can follow us on Twitter, man. Jack is on CC at CC Machine or J Larry Shields. I think he's been Often in Arizona with his significant other, and he seems like to, I, I've seen your Instagram, Jack. You've been having a good time with your shirt off, asshole. I've been in Oklahoma, and they can't make up its mind between 80 degrees and 55. But follow that guy. I'm at Kamiam Robbie and at Kame Robbie and CCM, and of course you can follow Steven at OU Updated SB. Again, join the Discord. It's fun. We have good times, and sometimes get into arguments. It's all great. If you're a soft soul, don't go to the meme page. You'll be offended. But until next time, we'll catch you guys with the post-game podcast. We'll check you guys later.